Hey, welcome to the Colorism Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah L. Webb. Thank you for tuning in. This episode is a recorded session of my live Wednesday writing workshop that I stream every week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on Instagram and Facebook. The live experience is unique and interactive, so I'd love for you to join us. For those who can't catch the lives or who want to replay the sessions for review at a later date, you can listen right here to the podcast version or view the video recording on the Colorism Healing Facebook page and YouTube channel. Please like, follow, share, and subscribe to Colorism Healing on all your favorite sites. And if you know someone who could use or appreciate any of my content, please share it with them. Now, let's let you listen. I hope you enjoy this episode. Interactive, but this time around, I'm dedicating the whole session just to answering questions. I have five questions that people submitted in advance. And depending on how long we go with answering those, we might um, be able to answer a lot more on the live session. So some of the pre, uh, the pre-recorded, not pre-recorded, the questions that people have already sent in have to do with things such as using the word exotic, um, are racist jokes okay, or to what extent is it okay to joke about race? We have questions about online dating and colorism. And then we have questions about distrust for light-skinned women, right? Um, we have questions uh, about how to support dark-skinned people. And then I saw another question just come in asking me when I first felt seen um, in media, right? When I first felt seen in media and what can we do in the media? So I'll, those are questions I'll be getting into as everyone comes on board. Hello, Self Creations. How are you? Um, hey, Nadia. I don't even know if everyone's still on here. Jazzy Pixels, what's up, y'all? Hey, Facebook folks, come on in, say hello. I see all two of you. <laughs> um, I appreciate you for being here. So some announcements before I jump into answering the questions. And keep in mind that I do have five that people send in in advance, but you can send, type yours in whenever you get the chance. Um, so I was recently on the Tammy Mack show. I have to talk about that because that was really exciting. Uh, and there, there's a recorded version. So if you didn't get to see it, do check it out. That's on Fox Soul. Tonight, um, well, actually yesterday, I did a podcast interview with Journey to Lovely. Um, Claudrine Arnell was a great conversation, a great discussion. She had some great questions that I don't get asked often. And uh, yeah, good vibes all around. So that's available for playback. I'll be doing a Balanced Black Girl podcast tonight. Friday, I'm interviewing uh, Laura London Speaks here on Instagram, right? So again, Facebook folks, y'all have to follow me on Instagram because the community there is like really, really active. And I have like three times the followers there <laughs> as I do on Facebook. So y'all need to share the links too. Um, and then the Friday after that, I'll be interviewing Stephanie Brown. I was supposed to interview her last Friday, but we had to reschedule. I had to reschedule. <laughs> um, and then again, don't forget to check out colorismhealing.com. You know, show your support, buy some books. A lot of the authors have been getting their books in the mail and posting them online, and I love it. Y'all, that's why I do it, right? Just to see the smiles on your faces, and um, I know how proud you feel when you get that first publication. A lot of the authors are first-time authors, are young, up-and-coming authors, right? So to get those initial publications under your belt 
I know the feeling. Um, if you want to support financially, you can donate at Colorism Healing on Cash App and Venmo. And I also have shirts, you know, products, coffee mugs, bags, tote bags, pillows, and all that kind of thing. You might have seen my pillow in a recent Instagram story. I think it, I just love it. Um, and then again, um, I'm using a new feature, right, on Instagram. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, the Q&A feature. I just discovered that like two days ago. <laughs> Desiree Dalla Giacomo was going live with Q&A. I said, oh, that's perfect for my Q&A on Wednesday. Um, so let's jump right into it, folks. Uh, I'm going to start with the questions that people submitted in advance. Um, and some of them came in different formats. So some people sent them through the Instagram stories, and those are the ones I'll be able to show on the Instagram feed, but I'll be reading them out loud too, right? So Facebook, don't worry, you're going to hear other questions. And then I have some that were sent in email and some that were sent in DMs. Some people want it to be anonymous. You know how it goes, right? So we're going to jump right into it. The first one comes from Sounds of Color. I'm going to read their question. Hello, Dr. Webb. I would like to ask about something since one of our audience members gave us some comments about using the word exotic. She said that the word was one of many that hopefully could be vanished over dark-skinned or black people in America. And also she said that calling someone the word exotic is a part of doing colorism. I hope you can give me an explanation so we can understand more about it. Thank you so much for your attention, Dr. Webb. Love, Sounds of Color team. Right, so for those of you who are in the room, how do y'all feel about the word exotic? I'm going to give you my perspective on it. Right. So, you know, we talk about exotic plants and exotic animals, right? Exotic locations. Um, and so one of the reasons why people don't like to be called exotic is because they are humans. They're not plants or animals. Um, but it's also often used in the context of objectification. Right. So not um, recognizing the full humanity of a person. Um, objectification, but also a form of othering. Right. So the thing that most defines you is what makes you different from me. Right. So it's your difference that most defines you in my mind when I'm calling you exotic. Right. Um, and then it further emphasizes this feeling that or the sense that you are on the margins. Right. You are not part of the normal structure of society. Right. Or you are not. Um, accepted or an organic part of our culture. You're not an organic part of the society, right? So that's what makes you exotic, um, is that you are somehow alien or foreign to our experiences or my experience as a human. Um, I think, too, it is part tied to the legacy, right? The part that makes the word problematic is that it's tied to the legacy of colonialism and white colonialism and domination, right? throughout history and even present day, right? European and American colonizers, uh, ancient, but also contemporary, right? Going to these places and just because they're new to you as a European, you think them to be exotic, right? But for the people who were already there, there's nothing exotic about it. Um, so that's one of my answers to the word exotic and why people don't like when you call them that necessarily. Um, so if you have additional thoughts on the word exotic, drop them in the comments. I will also be reading your comments. I said last week that 
when you all chat in the comments, we get a lot of value from that as well. And a lot of you talk to each other in the comments, which is super exciting. Okay, so my next question came from an email. I'm going to call this person M. Okay, so M said, Dear Dr. Webb, I have just come across your blog about colorism versus racism. Whilst I understand your conclusion that the two are essentially one in the same, I would plead for an acceptability of the latter when in certain circumstances. I gently tease other nations and would expect and accept the same from them. Yes, I am English, for better or worse, in a way that causes amusement to others as well as me. On the other hand, I am totally against any aspect of teasing about color. Although I have in the past been teased by, for the lightness of my skin by someone of a darker hue. I live by the maxim that the good Lord created as such that we bleed the same color, blood, and are the same in spirit. I am 62 years old, so I have many years of old-fashioned myths about me that makes many of today's attitudes seem extreme. But with three daughters who are younger, I'm learning fast. I would value your thoughts as to whether such teasing is really racism in disguise. All good wishes, M. All right, so M, I don't know if you're watching or not, but I'm going to take this question as a learning opportunity for all of us. And we know um, that a lot of people talk about the jokes when it comes to colorism. In the African-American community, there are a lot of light-skinned, dark-skinned jokes, are you so black, or you're this, this, or that, right? Um, and a lot of times, those jokes are based in harmful stereotypes, right? And so those kinds of jokes, I think, are disguising um, racist beliefs, racist um, attitudes. However, that's not to say that we can't joke, right? Humor can be subversive. And this is what I love about the possibility of using jokes in an intentional and intelligent way, right? I think about the work of somebody like um, Lovey AJ. I hope I'm saying that name right, right? But Lovey, right? The blog, the writer. She's super funny, super humorous. She's cracking jokes all the time. But she uses that humor to convict people, right? Not to tease people, not to objectify people or relegate them to a negative stereotype. Her humor, her jokes are meant to point out the error of our ways, so to speak, right? Are we thinking about someone like Trevor Noah um, who has built a career on making jokes that um, really sting and that could step on people's toes sometimes, right? So I'm all for using humor in that regard and using jokes in a way that um, sheds light on the conditions in society, right? And that calls us out when we need to be called out in a way that is maybe not so threatening, in a way that maybe makes us uncomfortable, but not in an uncomfortable way. <laughs> um, but in terms of the kinds of jokes that are uh, meant to downplay or degrade or establish some kind of hierarchy in society, I think those are the kinds of jokes that we need to do away with, right? And those are the kind of jokes that are really um, masking genuine hatred or genuine disdain, right? And again, feel free to disagree <laughs> or throw out your own perspectives. But I'm going to keep going because I do have more questions that I want to put on the screen. Um, the other one came in a comment, so it's not one that I can show on the screen yet. But this was from Love Justice 2. They commented twice on uh, Instagram posts. 
And they asked, what about colorism and online dating? I often feel left out. Okay, so love justice too. I hope you're watching. Or if not, you can watch the playback. So these are available for playback. Um, has anyone watching tried online dating before? I'm going back and waving at people. Okay, so I actually, this question inspired me to post my recent Instagram slash Facebook story about preference or prejudice and three warning signs that your dating choices or your dating preferences are actually colorism. Um, because it was in the queue to be talked about, but since I knew I was going to be talking about online dating in response to this question, um, I figured I'd put that out there too so that we had some context. So Michelle, aka Kedra, K-drama Oma, <laughs> I met my husband online 25 years ago. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so Michelle on Instagram saying she's met her, met her husband online 25 years ago. Um, I didn't know. On, okay, so was it an official online dating platform? Like, I did not know that online dating was around that long. Um, but apparently so. Or if it wasn't like an official online dating platform, maybe you all just met online some other kind of way, through email or chat rooms maybe. Um, that's pretty cool though. <laughs> um, CompuServe. CompuServe. Okay, y'all, I'm, I'm showing my age because I don't know what CompuServe is. <laughs> I think I might have heard, I've heard the word. I just don't really know. It's a chat room. Okay, chat rooms, yes. So chat rooms have definitely been around long enough and I can definitely see that. Well, congratulations to you and your husband for 25 years. That's what, a silver, I don't know, a silver anniversary maybe or a quarter. Um, so... I would say that, again, if you haven't seen my original post on preference versus prejudice, go back and read the original, right? So I'm going to like paraphrase some of that, and I'm not going to be able to go as in-depth here as I did in that article. But the online dating arena is going to mirror the offline world, the offline dating arena, right? Just like everything online mirrors and reflects and also shapes what's happening offline, what's happening in the 3D non-digital world, right? And so, yes, we know research, one of the research studies I cited in that post was the marriage statistics for black women with really light skin versus medium toned skin versus really dark skin. And the numbers broke down to about 50, 35, and 20% of marriage rates right by the age of 30 so for young black women in particular um and i think that's indicative of a larger pattern right so we say that it's just a preference and i think the problem is not the word preference i think the problem is the word just so yes everyone has a preference but to say it's just an innocent natural you know organic preference is where we do ourselves a disservice where we're being dishonest right so if it were as natural, for example, as what kind of pizza toppings you like, we would see more equitable numbers, right? But the fact that the pattern is so consistent with racist systems, with racial outcomes, right? We know that there's something deeper there, right? Than just the innocent natural preference, right? Like I prefer apple juice or orange juice, right? If we took a poll right now, it might be, you know, 40, 60, 50, 30, right? But there wouldn't be, what, a 27% difference necessarily. Um, so I think that's the key. And then it's exacerbated or heightened online, 
right? For those who are not aware, because you can select your preferences before you meet somebody, right? So offline, you can't really control who you meet necessarily. Like if you work with somebody, if you're at the mall, if you're on a team or in an organization, you meet whoever happens to be there. But in online dating settings, you can actually exclude from even encountering people with dark skin. You don't even have to see on your feed people who are black, right? And this, they've, been, they've had studies done explicitly on online dating specifically and how the, the ratio of people who select black women as one of their options for dating, I don't know the exact numbers on that, but it's pretty egregious right and versus the number of people who will select black men as an option so we could talk about that right is that this disproportionately affects black women negatively um because black women men are not as um marginalized in terms of dating and partnerships and marriage right and we could talk about patriarchy being a big influence in that and then misogyny war too right so not just anti-blackness but anti-blackness combined with misogyny and a particular hatred for black women right um is there anything else i wanted to say about that um yeah so again we have to ask ourselves as dark-skinned black women, and I actually want to do a live just with dark-skinned black women who are single and talk about that, right? So other people you can watch, but I won't be talking to you in that live. <laughs> so there is a unique position in society when you're dating as a dark-skinned black woman. Um, Jindel said, wow, Vincent on Facebook is saying, I came in at a good time. Hey, y'all. <laughs> um, okay. So, so Mellow and Chill says, what's the online dating study? Can you share it? So I will go back and search through the archives and find it. And then I'll repost it. Um, but it, I remember looking at like a flow chart of people's preferences for like women who are Asian or Latinx, right? And it depends on the dating platforms. You can select different kinds of preferences depending on the dating platform. I've tried a few, so I'm speaking from experience as well. Um, okay, so let me move on because uh, I can come back and talk more deeply about relationships and dating later, but there are a couple of other questions I want to get to. Um, so let me see. I want to ask... I'm going to put this one on the screen, but I'm going to ask a question before I get to that one. So the one you see on the screen is going to be, uh, I'm going to segue to that question by answering this first question. So um, an anonymous DM, but one that's illustrated of probably my most common DM <laughs> um, so far, right? Right. In terms of, you know, the current state of things. Um, I'll read it. It's a paraphrase, right? Because this person is anonymous, but also I'm pulling out certain things that are that I get a lot, right? That I hear a lot from people in there in the comments and you know messages and emails. So this user, Instagram user, said, "I don't want to say reverse colorism. There's no such thing. Just like there's no such thing as reverse racism." But I've noticed within the black community a lot of anger towards light-skinned women. I understand where it comes from, but I don't know what I can do to make another black woman feel like I'm not a threat. I'm also biracial with a black father and a white mother, but in the United States, we're all just black. 
Okay, so that was the question. And so my, I have a couple of responses where I want to break that down in a couple of ways. Um, Armando Rivera saying, similar experience in gay dating sites. That's, we'll have to talk. <laughs> um, so the first thing I'll say is that I love the fact that this particular user that I'm using this question template from acknowledge that there's not reverse colorism, right? There's a difference between reacting to a system and the system itself, right? So I think we need to be very clear and explicit about that. There's a difference between backlash to a system and the system itself. Um, but also I would like to offer a point of correction in that uh, this user says that to non-black people we're all just black. So there are actual studies but also testimonials and also just um, observation, right, that actually white people do differentiate black people based on skin tone. And we know that going back to slave days in the U.S., the slaves that were allowed to work in the house, I'm not even going to use the word allowed, that's the wrong word. <laughs> slaves that were assigned, forced to work in the house versus those who were forced to work in the field, right? Slave masters were distinguishing based on, okay, well, we can get this slave to do these kinds of tasks because they're more intelligent. And we need these slaves to do those kinds of tasks because they're physically stronger, right? That was very much steeped in colorism and proximity to our alignment to whiteness, right? And so, of course, if your father is the slave master who raped your mother, then you have some European ancestry in you. So naturally, you're going to be more sophisticated. You're going to be more intelligent and more trustworthy. So we can't just let anybody work in the house, right? We need, you know, slaves that we can trust to be near us, right? That's also why you saw a lot of older people working in the home, not only on top of... Um, their waning physical strength to be in the fields, but also children, right? And not to get too deep into that. But yes, so white people have been distinguishing amongst black people, and not just white people, but other people of color too, right? Other people of color who've internalized racism. Also, just like they think amongst their, their own ethnic group, they also look at black people and say, well, yeah, we also like the black people who are lighter skinned, just like we like the Indians who are lighter skinned or, you know, the Latinx people who are lighter skinned. Um, so I think that keeping that in mind is a good way to address the tensions between black women of different differing shades. Um, I will say that the Simply acknowledging that you had a black father and a white mother, I think is in and of itself very indicative of that system, right? And so the, the specific example was about, um, I guess, petty squabbles over in dating, right? So again, dating and relationships is, is a very visceral, you know, situation, I think, even though we know colorism is far beyond that. It affects health and wealth and income and education levels too, right? But I think the dating and romantic side of things is so visceral to a lot of people that that's at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Um, but yeah, so just the simple fact that, you know, you are a biracial woman and your father chose to marry a light-skinned woman, right? And that is part of the system that other black women are responding to. That is part of the system that other black women are resisting, are bristling against, I think might be a good way to put it. Um, and so the way to heal and reconcile that. So 
there's a system at play, but we're not helpless in the face of that system. We're not um, just merciless, merciless at the hands of the system. There are things we can do to repair the bonds between black women of different skin tones, right? But it's not gonna be easy. Um, so the way to heal and reconcile that is for light-skinned women to be deeply invested in dismantling the system of colorism. Um, what that might look like brings me to the question that's currently on the screen. But before I get to that, I'm going to read Elizabeth's comments. Uh, Elizabeth says, yes, and think about how that's an insult to this day when people say someone, if they're gotten a tan or are naturally dark, is so dark they would have been a field in slash slave. Absolutely, yeah. And again, going back to the jokes, um, that's a very common joke, right? It's saying, oh, well, you would have been a field this, or you house in this, you know, um, throwing those words at people. Jendel on Facebook is saying, she can be an ally. We are all black, but not seen the same way. The system privileges those who are lighter and whiter appearing. This is true. Um, so again, I'll say the way to repair and, and restore trust, right? So yes, there is distrust amongst women of color, black women. I'm not one of those people who's going to act like, you know, my dark-skinned sisters don't sometimes um, react from a place of pain. Um, but we have to repair trust. And that trust has been broken. Can I keep it real with y'all for a while? For a second. <laughs> that trust has been broken because too many light-skinned sisters have delighted in the preferential treatment. Okay? The reason why there's distrust is not just because colorism exists and is perpetuated by other people, but a lot of that distrust and backlash and anger and resentment comes from the fact that so many light-skinned women, I've seen it in my life, despite having wonderful light-skinned women in my family and in my life. I've also seen a, my, a lot of my light-skinned sisters um, play into it, play into the colorism. And we have to be honest about that as well, right? We can't just call out the dark-skinned girl who's calling you a red this or a yellow that. We also have to call out the light-skinned sisters who had ample opportunity to tell the, the boys in class who were teasing their dark-skinned sister to cut it out and didn't, right? Far too many instances where the light-skinned sister, um, you know, saw herself on TV all the time, but then, you know, makes a comment about Black Panther not having light-skinned women in it, right? Those are acts of betrayal that if we aren't honest about in the Black community, is going to deepen the rifts between us, right? Um, Stephanie Jackson says, yes, keep it real. Janelle says, preach. Uh, so... On Instagram, for my Facebook folks who can't see it, I have a question up by Anna Lacey. Um, I hope I'm saying that correctly. But Anna Lacey asked, what can we do to support our dark-skinned neighbors, friends, and loved ones right now? Okay. So again, for this is for everybody, but especially my light-skinned sisters who are wondering, what, as the question asked, what can I do to to make another black woman realize that I'm not a threat. Oh, also I want to say this, regardless of your intention. So I also acknowledge that a lot of light-skinned women never have the intention to cause harm or hurt, but the perception is not about your intention, right? So just keep that in mind that your, your intention, despite your intention, you can still be benefiting from colorism, even when you don't intend to. 
right? So even if you intend to be sisters, to be friends with darker skinned women, you have the best of intentions, but that intention only goes so far if we're not dealing with the system of colorism that is going to privilege you above that sister. Um, and so the first thing I'll say is, especially for a light-skinned person or a non-black person, is to be the first person to speak up about colorism. Don't wait for me to say it as a dark-skinned woman. Don't wait for some other dark-skinned person to start a conversation. You be the first person to say something about colorism. And that means be the first person to speak up in general when no one else is talking about it, say, hey, while we're all here, let's talk about colorism. <laughs> but also when you see it happening, right? So again, going back to hearing somebody make a joke, right? Oh, we turned off the lights. Where did Sarah go? We can't see Sarah, it's too dark. You, as my light-skinned sister, should be the first person to say, that ain't funny. You don't have to say it like that. You can say that. You don't have to say that. <laughs> a little self-deprecation there. Um, but I think that's part of what it takes, right? Um, and that supports dark-skinned people, right? And it's not always, speaking up is not always about changing the minds of the person who made the joke, but it's simply showing that dark-skinned person that you are there for them, that they can trust you to speak up on their behalf, right? The, if you look at my Instagram story from today, I posted about a woman who had that exact joke played on her in school. And she felt like, A, she couldn't advocate for herself, and B, that she didn't feel worthy of being advocated for. You hear me? Like, do you know how that breaks my heart? That she didn't feel, not only was she afraid to advocate for herself, but she didn't feel like she was worthy of someone, anyone defending her. And so everyone defends dark-skinned people, especially dark-skinned black women. My next thing that we can do to show support for dark-skinned people is to actively create space for them, right? So not just having conversations about colorism and what colorism is, but actively creating space for them on the workforce, on your team, actively creating space in your organization, actively creating space in terms of representation, um, even putting them out front when you could have had the opportunity. I think about Zendaya's and Amandla Stanberg's examples, right, as biracial, light-skinned women, um, saying, actually, you know, I don't want this role because I think it would be better served, better serve our community if it was played by a dark-skinned black woman, right? Or a black woman who wasn't biracial, right? They are actively creating space and sometimes that means you simply not taking up space that is offered to you, right? Um, and this, you know, again, this is difficult because you might say, well, I, I, need, I need to work too. I need the jobs too, right? Uh, it's hard for all people to get parked. It's hard for all people to get jobs or opportunities. This is true, but, you know, I'm here for the people who want to do better. I'm here for the people who want radical change. I'm here for the people who want a revolution, like real change, not safe. Like, just tell me what to do in a way that doesn't make me uncomfortable, right? Uh, that's not the kind of advice I'm giving today. Today. You feel me? <laughs> Welcome. If you just joined, sorry, my energy, I'm getting hyped. <laughs> I'm getting a little hyped. Um, let me read some of these comments. Agreed, and I see quite a bit of poets with people 
highlighting their light skinness, light skin hybrid, etc., which I think is so problematic. That was from Sunchaser on Instagram. Nadia says, I think you can support by not dismissing dark skinned women's feelings when they speak on the subject. I often see that happening. Nadia, that was one of my points too. I said, listen to dark skinned people without redirecting the conversation back to you. That's a big one. <laughs> Listen to dark-skinned people without redirecting the conversation back to yourself. Just listen to them. It doesn't have to be, well, I hear what you're saying, but no, 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 no. Just, just listen and say, I support you. I hear you. How, what else do you need from me right now? Um, it's Ray's Artificial said, do you think that colorism privilege still applies to a dark-skinned person, Rachel? Um... So I'm not sure what you mean by that. I think dark-skinned people can have privileges or be privileged in a certain way, but not necessarily because of their skin tone. Um, unless they're considered dark in one context, but considered light in another. So people who might have grown up seeing themselves as dark-skinned, and I was actually on a panel for South Asian Heritage Month in the UK, because they wanted to talk about anti-blackness in the South Asian community. And so one of the panelists, one of the things we talked about is how for South Asians, what they consider to be dark, right, are the experiences they have with colorism are not at the same level or they still acknowledge that they're privileged in terms of, you know, people with African ancestry, right? People who present with a certain hair texture, certain features, right? So you can be considered dark skins, but maybe have a hair texture that's straight and wavy, right? Or have features that are more alkaline, right? Um, Stephanie Jackson says, that's crazy. Raylan Daniel says, it's a sacrifice. Yes, to truly change the system requires work and sacrifice. So not just what's comfortable. Love your podcast interview with Claudrine. Just listened and learned so much. Yes, that I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, JB, you've been doing this work on colorism a long time. What has been the most surprising thing, info, et cetera, that you've come across? So JB, I will ask you a question soon. Um, I will say one more thing to the question that's on the screen. What can we do to support black people? I mean, dark skin, black neighbors, friends, et cetera, is to um, check on their physical and financial needs and well-being. So, a lot of the systemic inequalities that we associate with racism, black people being underpaid, black and brown people um, dealing with various forms of physical, environmental, social, economic inequality, colorism either matches those inequalities or parallels those inequalities. And in some of these research studies, I do have an entire index with literally hundreds of articles that you can look for. Because of copyright laws, I can't provide you the, all of the articles unless they're already freely available online. So some of them you'll have to go to your library to get. But hundreds of articles have been written, research studies have been written. And in a lot of them, when you look at light-skinned black people, there is little to no difference in their outcomes and white people's outcomes. This is shocking to a lot of people. And actually, that kind of responds to JB's question about what's surprising. But 
So when we talk about the disparities, it's really not between black and white or, bl or white and brown. It's really between light and dark. Because again, in a lot of these studies, there was negligible or sometimes no difference in the relative performance or outcome that white people and light-skinned people of color um, had in terms of you know, employment or wealth or marriage, right? Okay, <laughs> let me, I have another question here that I wanna pull up. And this is from Elizabeth. Everyone say hello to Elizabeth. She made a comment on Instagram. She's also one of the winners for the 2020 contest. So you can read her essay online at colorismhealing.org. She was also in the 2017 contest, I believe. So she's been part of the Colorism Healing family community network for a few years now. Thank you for all that you've done. So Elizabeth's question says, when did you feel seen and valued in a piece of media? What should we be advocating for in dark skin representation? Okay, so I was thinking about this because it came in a little bit before the live, I went live. And it's interesting because I grew up in the 90s, right? I'm 35. So I was watching TV in my conscious memory, you know, like 1990. So you think about some of the shows that were out. You had The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you had Family Matters, you had A Different World. What are some of the other ones I'm missing, right? So surprisingly, when I look back, there were dark-skinned women on TV. And so I don't, during that period, I remember seeing dark-skinned women but I remember feeling like them simply being on TV wasn't um, fulfilling. There was something about the way their characters were written that didn't feel fulfilling, right, as a dark-skinned black woman, right? A Different World is a very classic one, right? Because we know that even though there were a lot of dark-skinned women on the show, we know that the, the star female character was really Whitley Gilbert, right? We know that it was her storyline that was ultimately the central storyline. Um, Family Matters was pretty cool, right? Because you had Laura Winslow, who was dark brown, you know, and she was the star of the show other than Steve Urkel, right? So I appreciated that in terms of media representation. Um, but there was a point when, as I got older and those shows started to like die off, where we kind of regressed in terms of representation. Um, I feel like there was a golden age of the 90s, as some people call it, where you could at least see black women in TV shows. But then, like, maybe high school and then later, like, we weren't anywhere. And then, especially on channels like the Disney Channel or, like, you know, a Lifetime movie or something like that. Um, so as an adult, I think maybe, I don't I can't actually remember. <laughs> The first instance where I felt seen as an adult. I know the Black Panther movie, uh, despite, you know, conversations about the problematic aspects of that, was very, very healing for me. Very, very healing. And I have done, like, media fasts where I say I'm only going to watch a movie or a TV show if there's a black woman, in the dark-skinned black woman in the leading role. And there have been instances where I have not seen a lot of movies or TV shows. Um, Raylan is saying, it would be great to see more organizations that catch dark-skinned while they're young. And those self-image 
molding programs begin to instill self-love and pride so that self-love starts from the inside. Yes, self-love starts from the inside. Um, but I think in speaking about children and talking to children, they have to be taught that self-love starts from the inside, right? So that is a direct relation when you're talking about young, young folks who are vulnerable and susceptible to external um, feedback, very susceptible to external relationships in their lives, right? Um, so I agree that the representation, I, I, that's one thing I would hope for in terms of dark-skinned representation is that there are dark-skinned children, dark-skinned girls in cartoons and dark-skinned girls in children's movies, right? And dark-skinned girls in um, children's TV shows, right? Because we think about Lupita Nyong'o and Viola Davis and Gabrielle Union, beautiful dark-skinned sisters, but none of them are featured in content that my six-year-old niece can watch, right? So I think that's one of the huge issues. Um, True, it starts early. Miss Issa, ooh, y'all, Issa Ray. First of all, not only is she dark-skinned, but she's weird and quirky and funny. Like, I relate to her humor so much. <laughs> she's so funny to me. Okay, um, but the roles they played, yes. So not just the quantity of representation, but the quality of representation, right? I hated Martin. I hated Martin. Martin, I hated it, <laughs> that, that show. Because it was so clear to me that Pam did not deserve the backlash and to be relegated to, you know, the butt of a joke every episode, right? Um, but also representations of Shanene, right? As another example of a dark-skinned woman female character were very insulting to me. <laughs> Coming to America, y'all. So I know I'm over time, but I gotta talk about these things. Coming to America, has anybody seen that movie? Do y'all remember the movie Coming to America? I hated that, as much as I love that movie, cause it was funny. I hated that movie. First, oh my gosh, Coming to America. I'm gonna have to, well, y'all know what time it is with that movie. <laughs> um, Stephanie Jackson says, both my daughter who's darker and my light skinned son. Book we read, I Am, Affirmations for Brown Boys and Brown Girls. So I'm going to repeat that for the folks on Instagram. Stephanie Jackson is recommending a book called I Am, Affirmations for Brown Boys and Brown Girls. Okay, so write that down if you know a child or have children. Um, Coming to America was the worst for colorism. Belly Bela. I, I need to practice these screen names. Y'all send me the phonetic pronunciation of your screen names <laughs> so I can get them right on these lives because that's, I like, getting names right are important to me. The Grandasa Models, I'm so flattered that the Grandasa Models is talking to me because y'all are legendary. Um, says dark-skinned black women have no preference in dating our larger society. This is true. Um, okay. So, let me see. So I have this question. And then I'll wrap it up with this. So, they Floyd, do the book ship to England? <laughs> We're going to close with that because it's uh, 4.45 and I have the 6.30 podcast later. So I need to prep for that and eat some dinner. 
Um, but it's been so much fun. Let me know if y'all want to do this again and drop some more questions uh, at me, you know, in weeks to come. But yes, the book ships to England. I was at the post office earlier sending books to India and Nigeria and to Canada. Ha ha ha! Which is really exciting and not as expensive as I thought it would be. So <laughs> um, hopefully they actually get through because they were like, oh, you got to fill out a customs form. And so fingers crossed for my international deliveries of the books. Um, Stephanie Jackson, they are on Amazon. They should be on other online booksellers. So you can Google 2020 Colorism Healing Writing Contest on any of your preferred online booksellers. Um, they are sold um, Amazon.uk and .Canada, right? I don't think certain, not everyone's, not everyone's shipping to Canada or shipping to other countries because of COVID-19, they have tighter restrictions. So keep that in mind. Um, but the post office people said that USPS is still shipping to most places. Um, all right. I love y'all. This was fun. And let me know if you have more questions, if you want to do this again, check out colorismhealing.com for all you need to know. Follow the link in my bio, <laughs> hashtag bars. Um, but international shipping is expensive, over $20, yeah, especially if you're sending products and goods. So if you're just sending like letters or a document, they said it's, it's not as expensive. But yeah, if you're sending merchandise or, you know, something other than paper, it is $20 or more. Um, thank you, Michelle and everyone for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Hey again, before you go, I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with someone you know. I hope you can tune in for the next one. And until then, I'm wishing you lots of love.